change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Pods Gooby. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, this is a good week to be a Ticats fan. We're talking about a win, but there's a bunch of stuff that we have to get to before we start talking about the most recent game that Ticats played. Uh, first and foremost, you kind of got shouted out by some uh, local Hamilton reporters, Scott Radley, uh, Steve Milton. I can't remember the other guy chaps that are on the show, but they have, uh, maybe maybe you remember who it is, but they have a, kind of a YouTube show where they talk about some little 10 or so minutes talking about something, and they used one of your tweets. So why don't you tell the story about what actually happened here? Well, I guess Scott Radley saw the tweet of my, uh, you know, the level of entertainment in the CFL this year, that tweet that we talked about uh, on the last episode, and, uh, you know, let me know that it was a talking point on one of their videos. I think, I forget what the the, the show is called, but... Home uh, Games, that I do remember. It's called Home the Home Games, games. Yes. So they shouted me out at the start, showed the tweet on the screen, and then went from there. They had uh, it was a pretty interesting conversation, and it was uh, pretty neat to uh, you know be a small part of that to uh, help them out with a talking point. Yeah. So if you haven't uh, paid attention to it or, or heard about it, give it give it a look. It's on YouTube, correct? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, and, and if you follow Scott Radley, I think he's he's tweeted out the I link to it. Well. it so oh, there you go. Mike retweeted it too. So you can check it out there. Yeah, it's about, what, eight or nine minutes long. And they kind of, you know what's funny? If you watch it, it kind of echoes our conversation from last week. Like a lot of the points they make are the same ones that we kind of made ourselves. So it seems like we're not the only ones, you in particular, because this was, this was your kind of your your idea. Um, we're not the, kind of the only ones that really think this. They, uh, they had some interesting points. Um, most of them were in agreement with what we had to say. There were some, like Steve Milton had some contrasting he, he put a lot of, uh, I think, uh, the blame on it being the the year away. Um, but then I think it was, oh, it's Rick Zampert and Bubba O'Neill. Those are the other two guys on it. Now I remember. Um, one of them, I think it was Bubba, was like, I'm kind of tired of that being an excuse. And it's like, it, it was just interesting seeing, like, it doesn't seem like it's just us. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you wonder when you put yeah. a, a take out there. I know I, I wonder about this myself. I'm sure you're the same. Is it like, is it just me thinking this? And then you kind of see... It's it's happening all around. And even yesterday, um, after that Baltimore Ravens-Kansas City Chiefs game, which was one of the most exciting games that I've seen in football in quite some time, uh, Lamar Jackson went full 2006 Rose Bowl Vince Young and kind of took the game over. He threw like a jump pass where literally his feet were not even on the ground. Like, it was fantastic. If you're a football fan, it's one of the best games I've ever seen. Um, after that, I think Dunkster put out a tweet saying like, this these types of games are what the CFL needs, and it's like if you looked at that game, I don't know. I'm I'm sure I'm, I'm I won't say I'm sure, but I'm I feel confident saying you probably watched the game. That didn't that feel like an old school like mid to yeah. late '90s CFL game, just back and forth, 
fourth offense, big plays, big chunk plays, quarterbacks being dynamic, defenses making some stops. Like, what was it, third play of the game, second play of the game was a pick six? Like, it had everything, and that's what the CFL kind of is. So it's like seeing that in person, like that game itself really kind of encapsulated the point you were making last week. Yeah, and, there, you know, not every NFL game is a banger or whatever, but uh, there's no, I No, and not to cut you off, I watched the Niners, because I'm a Niners fan, I watched the Niners and mm-hmm. Eagles game uh, Sunday afternoon. Absolutely terrible. 17-11 final. It was bad plays. Like, there were a couple big plays, it was, but it was, it, was a bad, it was a bad game. But the Niners won, so I was happy. It's like kind of what we're going to talk about with the Ticats. But, yeah, no, right. you're right. Like, you're absolutely right. Not every game is great, but this game in particular kind of reminded you what it, what it could be. Exactly, and it seems that the the games that have been highlighted, you know, like the nationally broadcast games, have been um, really, really good. That's a good point. So uh, I saw some improvements this weekend in uh, in the offensive play in CFL football. Even the Elks managed to score a couple touchdowns at home, which is <laughs> shocking. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know three out of the four games I thought were pretty good. So hopefully we can build on that and uh, you know keep going from there. But I'm with. Uh, I'm with Bubba on the, uh, you know, the excuses. Like, you know, I get it. They had a year off. Maybe the first couple of games, you're, you, you, you know, you knock off the rust. But it's been like six games now. And what did these guys just forget how to catch the ball? Forget how to block? Like, the professional football players. This should be a higher level of football. And uh, and uh, hopefully next week and the weeks after that, we'll see that. Well, one of the games that we're going to talk about uh, for a split second here, and maybe for me the best game of the weekend. BC Lions at Montreal Alouettes. I thought that that was a highly entertaining contest. You saw some big plays. You saw even the thing is too with like mistakes, like Vernon Adams throwing some pretty bad interceptions. That even ratchets it up the excitement. Like we saw again. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on it, but it just it reminds me. We saw Patrick Mahomes throw an absolutely ludicrous interception against the Ravens, where he's like falling down and just chucks it up there. It's like. Those types of throws, like even though it's like it's boneheaded, that even brings the excitement to it. But I thought BC and Montreal was really exciting, and I had been manning the Podski account during the Ticats game on Friday, and uh, I said after the game when the Ticats won, I was like, uh, I think I can't remember what the tweet was. I guess I could bring it up, but um, something like Ticats win, Argos lose. Hey BC Lions, if you want to do us a favor, beat the Owls on Saturday. If you do so, uh, we'll say something nice about you on the show. Well, the BC Lions went out and beat the Montreal Alouette. So I think it's, I mean, I didn't, I kind of like co-opted you. Like I, you didn't make this proclamation. <laughs> I did, but I'm going to make you do it anyway. Um, we got to say something nice about the BC Lions. So I'll get it started. Uh, Brian Burnham is awesome. And I love watching him play. Yeah, I mean, of course. And Michael Riley is, uh, is one of my favorite quarterbacks that I've seen in the last 20 years. So um, it's good to see him, you know, get back on track to what he used to be. And, and it's also exciting seeing a guy like Lucky Whitehead really For um, sure. do, do his thing on the field. I think we said something about him uh, before the season started that we expected, you know, some of a, somewhat of a breakout season for him, and, and we've seen that in spades. You think he could? Uh, I won't say you think he could. He definitely is. Do you think he might win MOP? Because right now it's, it's really kind of up in the air, but with how he's playing – I think he's got a legitimate. If he keeps up the pace he's on now, I think he's got a legitimate shot. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he's just—he's making massive plays. He's—he's—he's he's, he's racking up the yardage and he's scoring touchdowns. So, you know, if, yeah, if he keeps up the pace, he, he has a decent shot. I'll say one more nice thing. Uh, I don't know if you got another thing, but I'll say another nice thing about the Lions. I think their uniforms are beautiful, and the color combination—the black and the orange—I think is fantastic. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I've always 
liked. Well, I didn't like the all orange, but uh, yeah, I think their uniforms now look good. Yeah, and well, when then we had the gunmetal gray back a few years ago. When oh, we yeah, had to say, that, was, that was that was a good look. The BC Lions, yeah. I, th- I don't know, maybe it's just the orange. I don't know, but there's just always something. I've, I've always, whether their helmets were, were silver or white or they're black now, I've always kind of liked their helmets. The only ones I didn't really like, remember, it was probably not this uniform, but the uniform before where it had like the weird looking lion, like it was a white lion on an orange helmet, and mm-hmm. it seemed kind of. Like, the, the logo was kind of big. That was the only kind of time I really didn't enjoy the Lions' look. Otherwise, I think they've had one of the sharpest looks in the CFL since I've been watching the game. Yep, yeah, I'd have to agree. I think uh, those uniforms, and uh, and even though we don't like the logo, I, I really like the uh, the Bombers' uh, blue and gold uniforms as oh, well. Oh, yeah, for sure. But we're not saying nice things about Winnipeg. It's only about BC. No, 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 yeah, yeah. Come on. Sure, Winnipeg. Okay, uh, one last thing before we get into our T-shirt giveaway. I have to... Uh, Brag a little bit because the OUA football season kicked off this past weekend and believe it or not, my U of T varsity blues at home beat the university of Ottawa GG's 11 to 10. Last time we saw U sports football, the, the blues ended up in the top 10 after a two and one start. And then I'm pretty sure they lost the remainder of their games. But they were a top 10 team. People were talking about the University of Toronto for the first time. These guys have never been good throughout the entire time that I have either been a student or an alum. To start off 1-0, and win at home, beat a team like Ottawa, which is always a perennial contender in the OUA. Um, I don't know, man. It just, it's, it's nice to see uh, a team like U of T that struggled for so long finally, finally get a win. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. But... I didn't really get to watch them win because I went to the OUA streaming site, which is usually pretty good. And about halfway through the first quarter, the stream just gave out on me and I never got it back. So I wasn't able to witness them beat the University of Ottawa. So I had to follow along on Twitter while I was watching. I think I had an NCAA game on the TV. I think I ended up putting the McMaster Western game on my iPad and watch that. I just wish, I think we talked about, well, I, mean, I know we talked about, I don't remember when, it was probably sometime in, in the early spring after I'd written the article for Three Down about the CFL needing some sort of like streaming app and getting U Sports involved and having that be the home of like U Sports football and, and paying like six, seven dollars a month for it. I know that they just announced a deal, uh, U Sports did, to show the national championship games for most of the sports, especially football, on CBC. But we got to get, if we can get this to come together, just a more reliable streaming service so we can watch OUA and all the other conference footballs, I just think it, it could be, the, the, the level of play in Canadian college football is getting better and better every year. I just wish that more people had access to it, easier access to it, and I could watch my alma mater play a football game that I was waiting all week to watch and not have it crap out on me after seven minutes. It's just... It, it's it just I just wish that more people could experience this because I think we're seeing sort of the golden age of Canadian college sports, um, and I think football we're seeing Canadians from the the Canadian from U Sports make the NFL. We're seeing Canadians play in the NFL. Like more, there are more Canadian football players now than ever, and I just wish that we had better access to to what, be able to watch games. That's all. Yeah, like at least like a game of the week on cable or something. Mm-hmm. We used to have that, and they. They had on the score. I remember you could, you, they used to have games on uh, CHCH back in the day, one a week. Um, but yeah, now nothing. And and you're right, the level of play is you know 
at the highest it's ever been. And even I've watched like the basketball tournament, um, CIS basketball tournament. It's really good basketball as well. So there's a there's a, you know a lot of sports being played that are are very you know at a very high level, and uh, we're not able to watch it. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, and well, and now we have we have a professional soccer league in Canada. We had the CFL obviously for a long time. We have a professional basketball league in Canada. Like that's only going to make the talent get better because then now they at least have something to strive for. Like 10 years ago, five years ago, there, those, the CPL and the CEBL didn't exist. So there wasn't that Avenue for these guys. Like they would play at Carlton or they would play, you know what? Like they play it in, in the, in the CIS now U sports and then their careers would essentially be over. Now they can maybe play in a domestic league mm-hmm. and with the CFL being there, like I was always an option, but now we're seeing guys even go from like, David Onyemato went from the University of Manitoba. He's a starter on the New Orleans Saints. Like, we're seeing more skilled Canadians now than ever when it comes to football and, and all sports that I just wish more people – because, like, finding – like, if you didn't know that there was a way to watch OUA games on a website, you wouldn't know where to – you know what I mean? Like, I only know about it yeah. because someone once tweeted it out, and I was like, oh, I'm going to save this. Mm-hmm everyone to watch it if you don't know that then you don't know that so i just wish i just wish there was a better access to it because i think it's a much higher caliber game than i think people really give it credit for if that makes sense yep absolutely um yeah, okay I'd love to see more. yeah of course all right last thing to do before we get into the game last week on the show we were not able to give away any of our shirts because there was a malfunction on the website i used to do our random draw that is not the case this week mike we are going to give away two t-shirts today uh because we have two questions to answer the first was from now last week or two weeks ago i guess um what 1990s cartoon did you and i spend way too much time discussing on the show that week the answer was, of course, King of the Hill. So I am going to hit the button. Are you going to give me my drum roll while I hit the button and we'll yes. get going here? Yep. All right. And our winner is... Oh, it's a longtime listener and, and someone I actually know personally. Claudio, um, the, the the demon, the guy that, that wears the face oh, paint. Yes. He yes, used to yes. be... Um, he used to be my the one of the guys that worked at the movie theater that I would go to down at Jackson Square. I haven't seen him in a while, but uh, you are a winner of a shirt. We will reach out to you uh, sometime this week to get your details so we can send you a shirt. And now, Mike, we have our second giveaway, which was – and the question was, name one of Mike's or Josh's positive stories told on the podcast – I mentioned about getting an autographed card from a friend of mine. You mentioned running into a fan of the show uh, following an Elks game, if I'm not mistaken. You guys, yes, you, correct. That's yes. correct. So those were the those were the positive stories that we told. We had a number of people uh, enter that as well. So I'm going to hit the button one more time, and we're going to get a second winner. So if you're ready, Mike, get that drum going. Here we go. Oh, the screen froze. Oh, nope, we're good, we're good. Darren Major, congratulations, Darren. You are our second winner. We will be reaching out to you uh, once the show is posted to get your information, and we will send a shirt out to you. And uh, Rod, I haven't sent out Rod's shirt yet. Uh, We have not forgot about you. You will be getting your shirt as well. So three guys uh, that have won, two guys won this week. Uh, The winner from a week ago, I haven't had a chance to send it out yet, but they'll all be getting shirts soon. So, uh there we go. Um, a couple more winners. Uh, good times. Good times. Speaking of good times, Mike, we get to talk about a win. Not just a win, but a win against the Calgary Stampeders. And not just against the Calgary Stampeders, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but a win 
over Bo Levi Mitchell. The first time ever that the Ticats have beaten the Stamps with Bo starting at quarterback. They won this one 23-17. We got to keep it real. The first half of this game was not good. It was a very boring contest. They even had the halftime panel talking about how bad it was. Mm-hmm. It it was it was stinky. The second half, not much better, but at least a few exciting things happened. But as Ticat fans, a win is a win. I, they could win one nothing every week, and I wouldn't care. But it's nice to finally beat Bo, even if it wasn't a game that was a little bit tough to watch. Yeah, that, that's it's all good to me. I mean, Bo looked bad, did he not? Um, yeah, sixteen sixteen to twenty eight, fifty seven point one percentage. Uh, an interception, no touchdowns. He just looked really off in this game, and uh, I'm glad he was off because if he wasn't, we probably wouldn't have won this one. Well, think about this too. He had one pick. He could have had a second. Cario Brooks picked one off and took it to the house that was called back on a pass interference flag. That, I mean, was probably, I mean, probably deserved, but still at the same time felt a little, I don't know. I, 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 I could have seen it going either way, but they threw the flag. Mm-hmm. But he was awful. I thought Bo was awful. It's like you, you mentioned his, his passing numbers. He had 170 yards passing. 74 of those came on one play. The big play to mm-hmm. – I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm not even going to bother to say it. Um, that ended up sc- w- with Calgary scoring um, – I mean, it's, I, I was going to say lone touchdown, but they ended up scoring one way, way late. Um, you take away that, he was 15 of 27 for 96 yards. Like – Think about 3.5 yards per attempt. That is atrocious. And he just looks bad right now. I don't know what the problem is. Is he still, like we keep hearing about people shaking off the rust. Is he still shaking off the rust? He obviously had the injury earlier this year that, that did him in. Is he still playing injured? They pulled him why in this game. Why would he do that? Like, why would he come back so early if he's already, if he's still hurt? You know what I mean? It's like... Fear of losing his job? Think- well, I suppose, but you'd think a guy like Bo Le- the great Bo Levi Mitchell wouldn't, that wouldn't be an option for the Calgary Stampeders, you know? You'd think he'd be pretty secure with his job status, but um, I don't know, it just doesn't make any sense for him to come back if he's not healthy yet. It just hurts him, it hurts the team, um, it's just not, not a good look. I, I agree with you that I don't think he will lose his job. I mean, job. this guy's so confident, I don't think he would ever think that he would lose his job. That he could lose like, his job? Just, yeah, I, the, the guy's so full of himself that, like, there's no way that thought even crossed his mind, I don't think. Maybe not, but he is a competitor, so he wants to be out there. But he mm-hmm. also was on the bench and watched Jake Mayer throw three consecutive 300-yard games, even though I think they lost two of those three games. He also, maybe he has the ego thinking, I'm the guy that can turn this around. Like, they're, what, 2-5 and five right now? There's a real legitimate chance that they're not going to make the playoffs. There's a real legitimate chance they're going to finish in the last place in the West, which is something, and i got to give you your credit for this, you called at the start of the season. Now, I don't know if you called it actually thinking Calgary would be bad or just really wanting them to be bad, but regardless of what you, of why you said what you said, you nailed this. They're a bad football team. Like, in any – like, going in – we talked about it last week, going into this game with David Watford starting and the injuries in the receiving core – how the offensive line had played like absolute dog crap, no running game to speak of. We were, we, I, I chalked this up. I thought they were losing. I even, when we did the picks on three down, 
I picked the Stamps win. I, I literally said, but Levi Mitchell has never lost the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He's not going to take his first L going up against a David Watford-led attack. And that's exactly what happened. He went up against a, a Ticats offense that didn't try to do anything spectacular. And if it wasn't for the defense, I don't know if they would have won this game. But regardless, this was a game I thought the Stamps would easily win. And they just, aside, they had one big play. that is had a 74-yard pass play that led to a touchdown. And other than that, they did absolutely nothing in this game until, what was it, the last 30 seconds of the game when they, when they scored their second touchdown to make it somewhat closer than I think the, the game really was. It was, they're making uncharacteristic mistakes. How many, what, that two, the opening kickoff bounced off a guy's, what, hands or leg or something and rolled out of bounds. Yeah. And they had two punts jump, go off their returner's face and Ticats recovered. Yeah. Like, these are the things we never used to see the Stamps do, so it's weird seeing them do it now. It absolutely is. And I just couldn't believe that it, it happens so many times. It's like, that's that's part of why the first half was just so, it, so terrible. It was just, Filled with embarrassing mistakes like mm-hmm. that. Um, I mean, I was happy that the Stamps did it, but uh, if you're just, if I was watching this game just as a casual fan, I would be like, whew, this is bad. But uh, I mean, it turned out the way it did, and the Ticats got a win. Uh, we, should, we should probably touch on, you know, a bit of the offense, how the Ticats did, how they managed the game. Yeah, it was definitely, David Wofford went in there. He was very efficient, 19 of 22. But only 149 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He didn't really stretch the field at all in the game. It was really the old, you know, Woody Hayes, Ohio State, three yards in a cloud of dust offense. They ran the ball 30 times and passed it 22. When's the last time you can remember a CFL team rushing? Well, I mean, forget that. When's the last time you can think of the Ticats running the ball more than they passed it? I am completely perplexed as to thinking of a time in, in recent history when that's ever happened. But they didn't ask him to do too much. He didn't do too much, but he did, I think, what was asked of him. And I don't necessarily think that that's an exciting brand of football. Like there were times when it's second and seven and they're throwing four yards behind the line of scrimmage and making the receiver go and try to make a play. And, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And again, it's not an exciting brand of football, but it was a winning brand of football and now we're going to see it probably somewhat again against Ottawa but we'll touch on that later it was just um it was it was it was a it was a well-executed game plan but it wasn't a exciting one if that if that's fair yeah. I think yeah I'd agree with that I mean his longest pass was 24 yards and you know it uh they and it wasn't 24 that. yards in the air like that was probably no. an eight yard pass yeah. that someone took you know what I mean right exactly yeah they obviously didn't um didn't really trust him to throw the ball downfield the way that the offense was ran. But, uh, you know, I thought that we talked about it last week. We They got away from those those running plays with their receivers, and they loaded up on them this week. Um, I thought that it, it was probably good for the offensive line to do a lot of run blocking instead of uh, pass protection. So hopefully, um, you know, we go into the game. We'll talk about the Ottawa game. But I'm sure we're going to see a similar game plan. And, you know, if we can beat the Calgary Stampeders that way, I'm sure, you know, most likely we'll be able to beat the Ottawa Red Blacks the same way. So Poppy White, who's a receiver, uh, had six carries for 30 yards in this game. Tim White, also a receiver, had two carries. If I was to – don't look at the stats. I don't know if you have them in front of you, but don't look at them. Who do you think was the, was the player that had the 24-yard reception, if you had to guess? 
Ah, man. If I had to guess, I'd probably say, I'm going to say Tim White. Nikola Kalinic. Ah, Nico, right. So, I mean, that kind of tells you, he's a fullback tight end. That kind of tells you exactly kind of what they were doing. Uh, No, the the next longest play to a a receiver or running back was 16 yards to Stephen Dunbar on a pass. So, they didn't stretch the field in any way. They ran the ball a ton. Um but it worked. And a lot of that is they got good field position because of special teams. And they had a kicker who nailed, went five for five. Taylor Bertolette got back in the game uh, after being on, on the practice roster for a couple weeks. And I think now he had a, he had a rough outing. Was it against, I think it was against Winnipeg where he was over two. It might've been against Saskatchewan. I can't remember, but he was, maybe it was against Saskatchewan. I think it was against Saskatchewan. And then they went with Domagala. He misses the extra point against the Argos. We're not going to revisit that. But five for five on field goals, I think maybe we have our kicker. Maybe he just need to get kind of the the first game jitters out of his system because uh, he looked pretty darn good on Friday night. Yeah, along a 49 as well. So, you know, he can. He wasn't just kicking it, you know, from inside the 30 or inside the 20. He, uh, he had a long one in there as well. So, yeah, I'm thinking going forward, we're, we're probably going to have our guy. I mean... As long as, you know, you, know, you never know what's going to happen, but uh, five for five, that's a pretty darn good outing. Yeah, and I thought Domagala actually was pretty good in the punt game, too. So maybe, like, I know that they use the uh, the global guy, uh, Whitford, but he's out right now. But if they ever decide to go Canadian at punter, I think that's actually might be where Domagala could really be an asset to this team. Um, do you, we got to talk about the defense. Like, we, we, we kind of talked about how bad Calgary was. But we didn't really talk about how great the defense was. They gave him nothing through the air until very late in the game when Jake Mayer came in and went 9 for 9 for 80 yards and touchdown. They completely stuffed the run game. Uh, I'm looking at it right here. They had 9 carries for 29 yards. Man, does it ever make a difference having that entire defensive line healthy? And then you have the secondary, which was fully healthy in this one. Seontae Evans was back shutting people down. Now, some of this is helped by the fact that Kamar Jordan went out early in the game. Um, but this was as dominating a defense. Like, we have to, at some point, I think it's fair, and and uh, I'm curious if you agree with me, Winnipeg, right now, defensively, head and shoulders above everybody. I'm not going to argue that. Is it fair to say the Ticats are right behind them at number two, though? Like, this defense over the last, they haven't allowed more than 19 points in a game since they lost to the Riders. Um... They've scored on defense a, a few times. This is this is like if it wasn't for what Winnipeg's doing right now, holding teams under like ten points, this would be this would be the defense we're talking about. And I think they're mm-hmm. because the team's been kind of up and down, and because we saw them, especially against the Riders, get blown out. Since then, they've been lights out. Yeah, they're really starting to come together. And this once is everyone gets healthy, who'd have thought, right? Exactly. This is what we expected at the start of the year. Um, the the defense is loaded with talent, um, loaded with guys that were there in 2019. Uh, it's, it's it's really nice to see because, you know, we're tr- we're waiting for the offense to come along. You know, once we get Mazzoli back or or whomever, Damon Evans comes back, and then we get our receivers and we get um, Chris Van Zyl on the offensive line and. You know, we're waiting for the offense to take off. And if and when it does, uh, we're going to be one of the best teams in the league because the defense, you're right, is near the top of the heap. You're just right behind Winnipeg, I think. Think about that. We're missing our two top quarterbacks, 
our three top receivers, two of which yeah. haven't played at all this season, the best offensive lineman on the team, and in this last game they didn't have Sean Thomas Erlington. So you're seeing all these guys not play, and they're finding ways to win. You mesh that with a defense playing the way it's playing right now. Like if this defense can keep this level up throughout the season, I see no reason why they can't. Once everyone gets healthy, we're we're back in the conversation as the team to beat in East. Like I still think they're the team to beat in East. I think the the Argos are even more than the Ticats, way too up and down. Like the Argos looked really good against them two weeks ago, and Hamilton lost essentially because the kicker couldn't make an extra point. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's. I see no reason, and we'll talk about this more in depth in a bit. But I see no reason to think that this team isn't coming out of the East and, and hosting the Great Cup. Like I, I still have yet to give. No one has given me a reason that no other team in the East, I mean, has given me a reason to think that they're going to beat the Ticats in a playoff game. Because once no, we get to I the playoffs, no. everyone should be healthy, or as he- we'll be as healthy as we could be. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Toronto, and Montreal hasn't looked that great either. So, no, I mean those are the two top contenders in the East, and you know, Ottawa's just a. Ottawa's the free space on the bingo card. Yes, exactly. And so, right, we're looking good right now. Okay, things are more positive on uh, on Podsky. We we were, we're, we got a win. Now let's wait till next week and we can. uh, No, actually, no, we'll get another win, and then after that, maybe we'll we'll come back down to earth. But uh, as of right now, I think things are going in the right direction. Yeah, things seem to be trending in the positive direction for the Cats. I mean, they've won three out of the last four, and then the one they lost, they lost by a point. So this is uh, and this they is played a... horribly, played horribly yeah. against Toronto, and we're, and we're still in it at the you know up until like the very last play. So. Yeah, quite literally the very last play. So yeah, um, there's one other thing I want to talk about. Oh, you know what? There's still some things I want to talk about on defense. To be honest with you, um, mm-hmm. Cameron Kelly. Not a guy we've talked about a lot this year, but he's playing his first season in the CFL, playing at the Sam linebacker position. I think he's really starting to come into his own. I think that's a as a guy who had NFL experience. I think he and when I remember when they announced him, I, I we were on the show thinking this this guy with his size and his experience in the NFL playing corner. I thought it was a really good uh, really good choice. I think he's starting to really step up. The pass knockdowns. We have to talk the about the pass knockdowns. Yes. What do they have? Seven that's- or eight in this game? That's incredible. It was ridiculous. They must have. There must have been part of the game plan because I've never seen Bolivar Mitchell get the, his uh, passes knocked down like that in a game. It was crazy. No, it was. It was. It almost felt like every time he went back to pass, there was even if they didn't tip it, it was close to being tipped. Like it was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they 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 saw something on film or what it was, or if Jagger Davis, having played with with Bo uh, all those years in Calgary, was like, hey, I. I think we can get to him here, but I'm looking at seven pass knockdowns. Like, when's the last time you saw seven pass knockdowns in a game? I can't think of one. No, I can't think of one either. Like, and you think of the, you know, the shorter quarterbacks that we've had in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy like Bo, like, he's not a short guy. He's over six foot tall. And uh, they were knocking him down left, right, and center. Yeah, it was, I mean, there, what more can we, well, we, there's one more thing we got to say about defense, but we're going to save that to the end because there's a, uh, I think everyone kind of knows where we're going because there's one player we haven't talked about yet that we will talk about in a bit. Um, we got to talk about the kick to the nuts, though. <laughs> I don't know how to segue to it any more, any better than that. Yeah. Mike Rose, in the first half at some point, was engaged with Nikola Kalinic and hauled off and kicked him right in the family jewels. And he was penalized for it, got a 15-yard penalty, got chewed out by Dave Dickinson. Post-game, Dickinson's like really laid into him. How is that not an ejection? How is it that there could be a melee on the field, and if a guy throws a punch or a slap, 
they're immediately tossed. How can you kick a guy in the nuggets and still be allowed to play? I, I don't, I don't get, how is that any different? It, to me, especially because it was an, a clear, if you watch the replay, it is a clear, intentional kick to the groin. How, how does he, how is he not thrown out of the game? doesn't make any sense it's a, it's an act of violence and um other than that it's like it's just disrespectful it's like the lowest you know it's like kick to the groin or like poke in the eyes or like it's a heel move you know what i mean it's like yeah. you just don't do it you don't do it and uh he did it and he should have been booted but uh i i don't understand how he how he wasn't kicked out of that game no there's two things you don't do you don't kick a man in his nuggets and you don't spit in his face those are the yeah. two those are the two lowest things you can do to someone is uh is clack the clackers and, and spits spitting someone. So I, I just it it baffles my mind that he wasn't tossed. Because again, he, let, let's say he kicked him he, if he kicked him in the chest or in the leg, like how is it that you can deliberately like if if he did it to his head with, with his with his hand, he's tossed. But you can mm-hmm. do it with your foot to the it just it it makes absolutely no sense to me. Like I'm sure he's gonna get fined. And obviously, him playing, staying in the game didn't really make any major difference. Tycat still won, but it just seems like that should be something that gets a guy tossed from a game. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, okay, last thing here. Um, and I really don't know how to bring this up, but there is a fan, Tycat's fan on Twitter. Um, I'm going to pull up the tweaks. I want to get this right. Um, his name is Sean Blight, and he quote tweeted. The Ticats tweet of the game preview. Uh, Ticats uh, preview. Ticats stamps kickoff week seven action in Hamilton and a link to the, the game preview piece. He quote tweeted that by saying, I will get a David Watford tattoo if the Ticats beat the stamps. I don't have any tattoos. It would be my first one. And oh boy, is he in trouble now because David <laughs> Watford and the Ticats beat the stamps and he has since locked his account. We follow him. He's a Ticat fan. He follows us on Twitter, uh, the Podsky account. So we follow him back. Uh, that's what we do with Ticats fans on, on the pod. So if you're a Ticat fan who doesn't follow us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter. We will follow you back. But, um, I mean, I'm not here to, I'm not going to bury the guy. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rip into him. I don't blame him. I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say I'd get a tattoo if the Ticats would have won. Cause, uh, that's not a bet I'm willing to make, but, I didn't think they'd win. You probably didn't think they would win. Um, but I really pretty hope funny, he, though. It's, it's very funny. funny. It's, it's, it's up there with... Uh... I know who he is, too. Oh, do you really? Yeah. He used to live in Edmonton. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm dead serious. Uh, the I went Well, I'm always with uh, Mick at the games, but his friend was there, and I mentioned something about it. It was funny. I was like, yeah, some guy said he'd get a David Watford. I, I didn't know the guy's name when uh, when I was saying this. Like I didn't put put two and two together. Yeah. Um. But I met him at a game before. He's a big Ticat fan. We talked. I know who he is. And uh, the buddy was like, uh, "Was his name Sean Blight?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that is his name. That is the Twitter account." He's like, "Yeah, I, I used to work with him, and now he's he's like in in Ontario now." So, uh, pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> I know that he just oh threw it out there as a threw it out there as a joke. But it, it was pretty funny that I mentioned it, and the guy guessed it right away. Oh, that is fantastic. I mean, again, like I said, I'm not going to bury the guy for this. Like, that's just – I think I quote tweeted by saying, when keeping it real goes wrong, and that's exactly <laughs> what it was. 
I mean, you and I have both been in those boats. I've, I've been taking a hammer in. I mean, I don't, I don't take it as much now, but at the start of the season, you know, the 14 and 0 thing, I, I took a beating for about a week and a half after that happened, especially when they started out 0 and 2. Uh, my, uh, my Twitter mentions were, were not very kind, but, uh, you know what? You, you, you go out and you say something like that, you kind of got to live with it too, right? And I mean, uh, everyone who listens to this show will remember when you said prior to the 2019 season that they were going to go 9 and 9, and mm-hmm. we made a bet that if, uh, if they if they won ten games that you'd have to shave your legs and as we know they went fifteen and three and you had to shave your legs so we are not immune to putting our foots in our mouths over here but uh, well, I, a tattoo I is a different animal though my a tattoo is a different yeah. that is permanent hair grows yeah. back my pride will come back I mean if I got to win the Grey Cup I'm not going to care that I was wrong on fourteen and zero but you know what I yeah. mean a tattoo that's yeah. permanent man that is that is let's, uh, let's all just give him a pass he was being silly. Um, you know, you should never tweet that out there, no. but it happens. So it, it's all good. It's all good. Of course it is. And I do wonder if maybe there's a way, maybe instead of getting a tattoo, you, you hit up David Watford and go, what's your charity of choice? The tattoo would have cost me 200 bucks. I'll donate $200 to whatever charity. You know what? That's, That's a good, that might be, that, that to me would be an, an acceptable way of getting out of, of, of having to, uh, to get the actual tattoo. Let's yeah, do something. Was, let's do something good with this. Yeah. For sure. And I really hope, I really hope he didn't lock his Twitter account because people were giving him shit for this. Because to me, this was all in good fun. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he was saying, he was, he, I don't think he was saying anything that Ticats fans weren't, like, I mean, I said worse about it on three down when I said, like, there's no way Bo's losing to David Watford. Like, I was more, I think I was more disrespectful than, than this. So it's like, I think that it was an understandable sort of. Yeah prediction that i don't It'll think pass. yeah It'll of pass. course it will but i really hope he didn't lock his account because people are getting because this is no. it's sports man like this this it's fun it's part of the fun and i've said this on here numerous times is being wrong and having to come back and be like how the hell did i get that one wrong no one got hurt the tie cats won i'm sure david watford's having a laugh about it i know uh i think his agency tweeted it out uh <laughs> watford himself might have even commented on it but let's not be too hard on the guy he said something in the heat of the moment he, he went a little too far by saying he get a tattoo. But if, if he wants to get out of it, I think there's a way to do it. You know what I mean? I think I think everyone should just just chill out. It's it's not it's not that serious. No, no maybe there's like a you know, one of those uh tattoos you can get on and then uh, you know, you, it goes away in like two weeks or whatever. I don't think they have David Watford uh tattoos like that, but no, uh, probably not. Maybe he got a special one made. Or you get the number six. I, I honestly think that if he goes, I, this is what I would do. If it was me, shot myself, shot my mouth off. What can I do? I don't want to get a tattoo. Like I said, I would go. I would hit up Dave Wofford. Go look, man. I'm not getting a tattoo, especially because he says he doesn't have a tattoo. Like, can you imagine your own tattoo is like David Wofford's thing? And you have to explain yeah. that to people. Like, it's a good story, mind you. I feel like that he'd be a good sport and be like, look. And he said, look, I want to donate to you. Because all these athletes have charities. They all have things. Like maybe, you know what I mean, help with youth football or whatever it is. Might probably does something in his hometown. That to me is the best way to kind of get out of it if you really don't want to get a tattoo. Let's do something nice for the community. Do something nice. Help Watford out a little bit. That to me would be – that. I think that would be the headline and that would be make this all go away. And it would be a good – kind of a feel-good way to wrap up this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be – that would be – um, a very nice thing. Yeah. So I mean, I guess we're going to follow this up. I'm going to keep figuring out what's going on here. He, he put on his Twitter, uh, 
a disregard what I've been saying, my account was hacked. So I have a feeling he's <laughs> not going to get the tattoo, but yeah. I hope he does something good. And then we can all just kind of have a laugh at this. And hey, maybe he'll go to Grey Cup and we can all kind of share in this. And yeah. I don't know. It's a good time. Um, okay. Podsky Player of the Week, Mike. This this was an easy one, was it not? It was. Uh, you know, the king of Hamilton, Mr. Simone Lawrence, uh, the defensive leader. Uh, he's been on fire in these last couple of games, but especially uh, this last game. He had eight defensive tackles. He had an interception. He had a touchdown after that interception. Um, what a thing of beauty that that was that play was you know everyone hustled to uh, get the blocks for him and he uh, he broke a tackle got into the end zone he was all over the field and uh, he is our Podsky player of the week yeah much deserved uh, house call they're calling him now house call hove because in back-to-back home games he has pick sixes so mm-hmm. he has more touchdowns on the year than William Powell and Andrew Harris so I mean that's something for a guy, <laughs> for a guy on defense that's pretty crazy very crazy and you know it's hopefully we can keep that streak going at home or on the road just keep it keep it rolling interceptions for touchdowns every game yeah i mean at this point he's got he's got five more home games left he's gonna score seven touchdowns in the season uh if he comes even close to that as an individual player he's got defensive player of the year wrapped up and i think it's kind of gone on because again the tie cuts been a little up and down i think it's kind of gone under the radar to me he's 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 in the leaderboard for Defensive Player of the Year. Just just based on these two games alone, I think he's been phenomenal this year. I think we haven't heard about him as much. He, he hasn't made headlines for anything, but I think, I mean, two pick sixes from a, from a linebacker is almost unheard of. Uh, we don't really see that that often, especially in, within the span of three games. He's got to be up there with, with the Willie Jeffersons and, and, and those guys for, for top defensive player this year. I think he's been phenomenal. Yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be tough to get that award. He just missed out on it in 2019. But, uh, you know, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, I mean, he led the team in tackles this game as well. So uh, if he keeps going the way he's going, he's definitely going to be in the hunt. Yeah, and I think he's, like, top three in tackles on the season, like, league-wide. So mm. it's not like the, the numbers aren't going to be there as well. And I just think that maybe if he has a little bit uh, uh, less controversial season, let's say, in, in 2021, and the Ticats do kind of make a run here, Go on a bit of a winning streak, maybe get their profile up a little more. I see no reason why you can't take home the prize. Um, not not any news really to talk about this week, so I thought it'd be kind of uh, fun uh, for you and I, as we believe it or not are hitting the halfway point of the season. This game upcoming against Ottawa on Wednesday is going to be the Ticats' seventh game of the year to kind of take the pulse of the team, kind of how we're feeling as we as we hit the halfway point of the season. Uh, I've had your expectations changed. Um, just your general feelings on the team uh, in general, I guess, as redundant as that sounds. So, what do you? How you? How you feeling about the Tie Cats? Three and three. Uh, I'm. I'm sure you feel the same way as I do. I thought the. Re- I mean, I obviously thought the record would be better. I said they were going to fourteen and zero, so I thought they'd be six and zero right now. But three and three, given what they've gone through with the with the injuries, um, a bit of a difficult schedule, especially uh, starting the season with those two games on the road. Realistically, is this is three and three, four and two about where you thought the Tie Cats would be at this point of the season, and mm. now they're going to take it, or are you a little more concerned that they're only at five hundred, even though they are technically the top team in the East right now? Well, I think the way that they started at on two, um, and the way some of these games have have turned out, you know, with the poor offensive line play and the offense not looking good at all, um, I'm happy with three and three right now. We're in the thick of it. 
Uh, there's still plenty of time left in the season to turn it around and make it a make it a memorable season, a good season, you know, a winning season. So I said they were going to be 11 and three. Um, they'd have to be perfect for that prediction to come through. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, I think there's still lots of time to turn this around and, um, you know, go into the playoffs as that number one seed. Uh, I think that the defense is, you know, you don't have to worry about that. The defense is, is set. It's one of the best in the league. Um, they're going to be that way going forward. Uh, you know, they might even get better as we go along here. The one question is the offensive line. If, if Chris Fanzel can come back, if some of these new guys can mesh and uh, start blocking better, uh, I think that, you know, we have a decent shot at getting to the Grey Cup and winning it. But that's the big question, right? If the offensive line can't protect, uh, if, the, if, the, if Mazzoli and Evans don't have time or Watford, whoever's back there, it's going to be trouble. So I think that's, that's the key. And I, we've been saying it all year long, but that is the huge weakness on this team, and it needs to improve. So are your expectations still that these guys can win the championship? I think they can get there. I'm not sure they can beat a Winnipeg or Saskatchewan or, or uh, BC now looks really good too. Like BC looks like a team that offensively has got their their stuff together. Um, same with Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. Plus they have great defenses. So at this moment right now, I'm not. I don't think they can beat those high caliber teams in the Grey Cup. But uh, you know things can change as we go along. I think you, you – I agree. If, if we were playing on a neutral field in a Grey Cup, I would agree with you, but they're going to be at home. And I think right. that – we how many – I don't want to say bad teams, but how many subpar teams have we seen get hot at the end of the year? The Argos are the, mm-hmm. in 2012 are a classic example of this. Got hot at the end of the year, got the Grey Cup at in home. In 2017, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. in 2017. But that, they didn't have that – that wasn't a home game. That, that I'm, I'm kind of focusing on the – Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I agree yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah. They, they got hot at the – I mean, they were a 9-9 team that won the Grey Cup. But they were 9-9 in, in, uh, in 2012 as well. But they had the – Grey Cup was at the Sky Dome. They went against a Calgary team that was superior to them in almost every way, and they blew the doors off them. And it was – Expected and unexpected at the same time. Like Calgary going to that game were the massive favorites as well as they should have been, and the Argos because they were at home. I think just just blew the doors off them. So I think all things being equal, and I got to think that they're going to be healthy near the end of the season, or at least healthier. The offense at some point is going to get it together. I think there's too much talent once healthy for this offense not to screw it up. The one caveat is, of course, as, as we've been saying all year, and as you touched on. The offensive line. The offensive line never figures it out. Yeah, they're probably not going to win a championship. I don't think you can go up against Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson in a championship game, even with the crowd behind you, and do anything if, if the offensive line is as porous as it is. So I mean, we, we had guys at left tackle and right tackle that are were very good. That got beat up last time, yeah. That got, yeah, so. But uh, for the rest of the season, I'm looking at the schedule here. Do you want to kind of go through it, maybe – Mm-hmm. Take take a guess at where we think this team could finish because you said yeah. eleven and three, so you have to have them run the table. And looking at the schedule, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they. Can... It's not. It, it, it's not. Be... And I say this because the two okay. their, their two hardest games left in the schedule. You mentioned BC and Saskatchewan are both at home, so that okay. gives to me nudges. It. If it, if it's in BC, if it's in Saskatchewan, at this point with the way these teams are constituted, I would say those are losses. I think at home, those two games can be wins. Like, I think that they maybe would be closer than we'd want. But getting them here, I think, 
gives the Ticats a slight advantage, especially because, and I think that this um, kind of, it, it's something we talked about and something we'll continue to talk about. Orlando Steinhardt hasn't lost at home as the head coach of this team. I know it's going to happen eventually, but it hasn't happened yet. So until it happens, much much like with um, them beating Bo, until it actually happened, I wasn't going to predict that it would happen, if that makes sense. So until they lose at home, which I know they will, I'm not going to say that they will. But they got Ottawa coming up this Wednesday, and we're going to go deep into that game next. I'm concerned about that, but to me, that should be a win, right? Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, if they don't win against Ottawa, that's uh, we're going to be coming back pretty upset on the next episode. So I won't yeah, say that I'll I get a red black tattoo, but no. if they don't beat Ottawa, this next week will be not fun. Um, no. Not at all. Then they got Montreal. They, then they're on a bye week, and then they get Montreal at home. We saw them smoke the Owls in Montreal, so I think at home, right. especially coming off a of bye, that I think it's fair Who to knows say who's back. You know what I mean? After that bye week, there might be a lot of players coming back. Exactly. So I think it's fair to say that the Ticats again. We're not. I'm not saying they're going to win this, but I think it's fair to say that they are the favorites in that game. Then they got uh, not a bye week because it's not a bye, week, but they have a long week because then they don't play until late until Thanksgiving Monday. And that's the Argos coming here. And the Argos, it's again, it's a home game. So I'm leaning towards the Ticats in that one as well. I think that's fair. Then they get another bye week, followed by a home game against Ottawa. I think that's a win. Then they go to Edmonton, where they've had a, you are the lucky charm in Edmonton, Mike. Yep. Except for the one game since I've been here, they've won every single game. Yeah. And and that one game was the year they started 0-8. And they damn near Mm -hmm. won that game. Yep. So yeah, they had a chance right at the end there. They threw it into the end zone. Yeah, I think it. Caleros yeah. threw it to, I want to say it was Mike Jones. And he just dropped yeah. it, which, I mean, yeah. that's Mike Jones. Um, so, again, I won't say it's a win. Maybe Edmonton will have their stuff together, but Edmonton hasn't looked very good. That's a game they could win. Then it's home to BC. That's a tough one. But, again, let's call that a wash. We'll say, I won't chalk it up as a win. I won't chalk it up as a loss. Then it's on the road to Toronto, which... Okay, they already lost in Toronto once, so maybe they, they'd lose there again. And then it's at home to Saskatchewan. So the last three are, are difficult. So there's a possibility they could lose those. But I don't think they'll lose all three. I don't think they'll go into the playoffs on a three-game losing streak. Ten wins? Like, there there might be one more loss on this. Again, they could potentially lose all these games because that's how it goes. But mm-hmm. if you're realistically looking at this, nine to ten wins I think is possible. Eleven, 11 is... I think I don't think it's likely. Eleven is possible. I think I think ten wins is doable. I think one more loss in the schedule. If they went the rest of the way just losing one more game, that would not surprise me. And if they win ten games, they've won the division. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they end up with either nine or eight wins. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think that things are just weird this year, man. Yeah. And it's like you don't know what to expect each week. Um, I could be wrong, and I, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope they get to ten or, or even eleven, you know, and, and run the slate. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say they, a nine and uh, nine six, six. Nine six. Well, no, no, nine and five, right? Nine and five. Yeah, yeah, nine and five. The fourteen games. Our math so sucks. Five record would be pretty good. I mean, that, that, that I take that. I think that would probably win the East. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say. I'm going to say nine and five. Okay. It would win the East, especially if, if they don't lose both of those to Toronto. Like if their two losses aren't to the Argos, I don't think they're going to lose on Thanksgiving. I think that if they lose, they'll lose the second to last week in Toronto. But if they don't lose, if they split the, the season series with Toronto and win based on point differential and get to nine wins, I think they've won the division. 
I think nine wins without losing the season series to Toronto wins them the division. Because I don't think Montreal is going to – Montreal feels like a team that's going to finish like six and eight or seven and seven and probably get into the playoffs as a three seed. But I don't feel like they're going to – they're too inconsistent. Like we talk about the Ticats being – and the Ticats are the very definition of middle of the road. They are three and three. And I don't know if you've seen this, but if you look at the standings, they have scored 112 points and allowed 112 points. Like they are as even as you can get. Like it's, it's almost insane. That, that, that that's how it's turned out. But you look at the the Alouettes, and they're so up and down. And, and they're, they're not good at home for some bizarre reason. Like, it doesn't make any sense that they're better on the road than they're at home. It's just, it's really, really weird. I think weird. they live and die with uh, Vernon Adams. I, I think that I think that they have a good offensive line. I think that they're a talented receiver is a good running back. Um, it, it's just Vernon Adams has been up and down. Yeah, and when he's good, they're good. When he's bad, they're bad. So... Uh, we'll see how it goes with them, but uh, yeah, it all lies on uh, Vernon Adams in my eyes. Yeah, and just to go back to the Ticats looking at the schedule, they avoid a trip to Calgary, which, I mean, right now doesn't feel like it's much of a hindrance, but it's Calgary's always Calgary. And again, until I see them winning Calgary, I'm not going to say they're going to win in Calgary. They avoid a trip to BC. They don't see Winnipeg again. Like, it's... It's about as advantageous a schedule as you could hope for. Their their toughest opponents come to Hamilton. Um, they travel once out of the Eastern Time Zone for the rest of these games. Like it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good schedule the, the second half of this season. So I that, think I think that they can perform. They can be a really good team if they mix in what they did last week when they have the quarterbacks back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do the handoffs. Do those screen plays, uh, get the defense guessing, and then throw the ball down the field. You know what I mean? Like I think this that game plan can be really you know put into the um, future game plans when they have healthy quarterbacks, and it could work really well because I think um, you know the handing off to the receivers and all that stuff really helps out the offensive line. So with a weaker offensive line, let's see some of that when Jeremiah Mazzoli's behind center and when Dane Evans is behind center. I mean, we all think Tommy Condell's an offensive genius, so let's see him kind of live up to that reputation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, take a weakness and uh, make it a strength. Yep. Yep, the old Paul Heyman method. Um, yeah, exactly. But I think we can say that the game plan that they've had for the last couple of weeks is, or at least the, this last week, was was not exciting. But exciting or not, winning football games all that matters. And they have a chance to win a football game this Wednesday. And yes, the game is on Wednesday night. They're in Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks. Ottawa's coming off a bye. Hamilton is on a short week. But Ottawa's 1-4 and four and really freaking bad. But why is this game on a Wednesday night? And why does this game, and this might only, you and me might be the only two Ticat fans that actually give a damn about this. Why does it have to be on a Wednesday night, the same night that our beloved All Elite Wrestling is running one of their biggest shows ever, main evented by my favorite wrestler, maybe my favorite wrestler of all time, Brian Danielson, in a dream match versus Kenny Omega for the first time on national TV. And we got to watch a Ticats game. And we got to watch him play Ottawa of all teams. Like, I'm going to watch the game, but you best believe that come that main event, which will probably happen around 930 my TV screen will be the wrestling and my iPad will be the football game because I'm not missing this massive show. And if you're a wrestling fan, you know how big this show is going to be. Mm-hmm. But I just don't understand why this game is on a Wednesday night because you look at the schedule and then Ottawa's next game, <clears throat> pardon me, is the following Tuesday, which also makes no sense. 
and there are no scheduled games next, like this upcoming week. There's only three games. One is Wednesday, and the other two are Friday. There's no games on Saturday. Why could this game not have been on Saturday? Uh, I, I do not have the answers for that. Uh, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. You know, you never want to schedule a football game on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. It's just not a good night for people to go into the game because obviously they have to get up and work the next day. Uh, it just, there must have been some reason for it, but I do not know why. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's not great. And it's not great for me personally, and, and you as well, because we're both AEW fans, mm. so we're going to have to be like paying attention to both at the same time. That just sucks. And then again, that's only us. So I'm not saying, oh, how dare they schedule against Dynamite. But right. oh, just, just if this would have been any other CFL game, I would have just ignored it. But it's the Ticats mm-hmm. game, so we got to watch it. Um, okay, but our gripes aside, uh, David Wofford, as it was confirmed today on Monday by Orlando Steinhauer, will get his second start. I don't think that's much of a surprise. Short week. Mazzoli's still dealing yeah. with injuries. Evans is obviously yeah, I think it's the right decision, weeks. you know, going into a game against Ottawa. Like, you know, we just beat Calgary with him. Let's keep him in there. Let's rest Mazzoli a little bit more. Let him heal up and see what we can do against the uh, Red Blacks. Yeah, and they got 10 days off. So that, like you just said, like maybe a bunch of people will be back for the next game against Montreal on October 2nd. This I think even if Mazzoli was ready to come back or Banks was ready to come back, I think you still hold him out for this game. Even though I'm not saying that because like Ottawa is terrible, I think with it being such a short week, you, you don't want to mess with anything. I think you keep kind of the same lineup and then hope for the best. Um, I'm nervous about this game only because of the David Watford aspect of it. I know he played the game he was supposed to play, but that is scary that – Lack of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Gumption? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like yeah. he was very effective. There's he was no very efficient. Score, really. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they're running that option. You know, uh, it looks like a college team, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, doesn't throw the ball. Yeah, it looks, like, it looks like, it looks like what Navy, I think Navy runs the triple yeah. option. That's what it looks yeah. like. So it's going to be, I mean, even against a team like Ottawa, you know, if you can't move, if you can't score a touchdown and move the ball effectively, it's, you know, we're going to have to depend on the defense to score points and the special teams to help us out a lot. So uh, definitely not, uh, you know, a guaranteed win for sure. No, I don't think any, I mean, if they were healthy, I think this is a walk in the park. Um, But as it stands right now, I think there is a possibility they could lose this game. I don't expect they will lose this game. I will be disappointed if they lose this game. But if we came back here and said, oh, man, they lost 13-10, it's like, yeah, like the defense didn't score a touchdown, our special teams didn't score a touchdown, or set them up to score a touchdown. Yeah, this this is going to be two very, like one offense in Hamilton I think is going to be less exciting because that's the game plan and one in mm-hmm. Ottawa is going to be less exciting because they just downright suck. Like this, this could be an all time uh, crap fest. I mean, yeah. this could remember, be, this could be bad. Do you remember? I want to say, I think it was Ottawa's first year. They played BC and like in mm-hmm. Ottawa and it was like six, five was the yeah. final. And it was in like a monsoon. I don't think the weather is going to be a factor, but I could see this being a very, if you're betting on this game, I would bet the under. 
if you were betting all season on the under, you would be a rich man right now. Absolutely. Because m- most of the games have gone under the numbers. So yeah. um, that that trend could change quickly. But uh, up to this point, it's been it's been hitting a lot. So, uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm scared to even look at what the number would be for this game. Like it's got, you'd think it'd be in like the low 40s or something. So. Um, yeah, the, the, this has the potential to be a two and out pun fest. Um, this to me is first team to twenty wins. Yeah, like it I, just I think so. if if you if the Ty Cats find a way to get three touchdowns out of this game, they're they're going to win this game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Right. I just don't see. I mean, who they have? A, it's not Matt Nichols. It's uh, Dominic Davis. I think right? it's Dominic so, Davis. Yeah. Either way, both of them. Don't have any talent around them. You know, Matt Nichols has shown that he can be an effective quarterback in this league, but Dominic Davis really hasn't. So, I mean, with no weapons, uh, you're just a terrible offense in general. Yeah, so uh, you're not going to need many points to, to uh, win this game, but they're going to have to get something out of the offense. I, uh, I went to Bodog to look up the, uh, the betting lines for the game. It's not even up yet. Like the only ones they have up are the odds to win the Cray Cup, so they haven't even put a line out for this yet. But I'm with you, man. If the if the, if the over under is, I would peg it at like 42 and a half, because mm-hmm. I you can't really go in the 30s. Like that's just insane. Yeah. But I would be shocked if this if this went anywhere near that. Like I said, first team to 20 probably wins this one. Uh, not going to be the most thrilling game, I don't think. But then we say this, and then who knows? It's going to end up being like a you know. 42-41 shootout. Watford's going to throw for 400 yards. Davis is going to throw for three touch. Like it's going to end up being a miraculous game. But I think going into this one, it's, it feels like this is going to be a defensive battle. And if whoever makes the fewest mistakes uh, offensively, I think will win the game. And I think uh, that's likely to be Hamilton because I don't think they're going to put Watford in a position to make those mistakes. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't foresee a bunch of turnovers for the Tie Cats. I could foresee it for the for Ottawa, you know, turning the ball over to the Hamilton defense. I could see that because they they're just they're just hot right now. They're gonna. I think there's gonna be you know an interception or two, maybe a forced fumble. So maybe that's how they win the game is uh, on turnovers, get good field position, and then yeah, you know, the offense doesn't have to do much to get into the end zone. Yeah, well, I mean, as long as they come up with a win, that's all I care about. Get to, this will yep. be the first if they win this will be the first time they're over 500 this year, and that will be a cause for celebration going into the bye week. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, well, I think that was. I think that's everything, man. I think we covered it all. I think we're ready to go home. So that was Podsky View for this week. I'm Josh Smith, and I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.